Welcome to Let's Explore. This is Lane McCall, and I'm here with Pastor Don Keithley. Hey, Don, how's it going? Hey, it's going well today. Beautiful day in Houston. It is nice. Yeah, it's a good time of year. Absolutely. Um, so in this episode, I wanted us to dive into uh, this thing that you preach that I love called radical grace. Yeah. It's almost a bad word in some some parts <laughs> of the country. <laughs> How did you end up there? Because you were a pastor for a long time. Um, what what uh, denomination were you a pastor? <clears throat> my in? background was... Uh, well, I went to, to uh, did my undergrad and seminary at, with the Church of the Nazarene, which is mm. a you know it's a holiness church in a Wesleyan tradition, very legalistic, very uh, law rule oriented holiness. Be holy for God is holy, and we would work at behavior modification and lots and lots of ways to get our act together so that God would be pleased with us. So we, yeah, we be, grace was a word, no doubt about it. Yeah, but grace, grace to us was uh, kind of contingent on our obedience to God, yeah, our striving, our trying to be well, and then you know if you did all that God wanted you to, do, then yeah, He released grace, which was favor, but mm. you kind of you earned the favor. So you earned it through Absolutely. obedience, through doing the right thing. Doing the right things, minding. We we had a church manual, and that church manual spelled out all the things that were wrong. Wow. Dancing, going to movies, roller skating. I mean, it pretty well made a list out that if you wanted to live a holy life and merit the grace that is unmerited, <laughs> mm. then uh, this, these are all the things you do, plus everything was in the Scripture, the Ten Commandments, uh, it was, it was, yeah. That, but we 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 did we did hear grace, but it was very contingent on behavior. You know what I've noticed is, um, you probably see less churches now that uh, have a problem with dancing or going to the movies <clears throat> oh, yeah. and things like that. However, you still have elements of things that you have to do or not do. This what I call legalism. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like a ladder that you climb to to be with God, kind of. But what you Preach is the opposite end of the yeah, spectrum. Opposite completely. end of the spectrum. It's like where? What's the balance, Don? Where's the balance? Well, you know, we call it radical grace. Some mm. some circles call it hyper grace. Mm-hmm. I like the word radical. Radical comes from the uh, Latin word root. Mm. So what we're actually doing is re- we're returning back to the roots of what Paul taught. Uh, Paul was handpicked by Jesus to go to the Gentiles, and he has a completely different message than what Jesus took to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and later passed that message on to Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John went to the Jews. Paul went to the Gentiles. As Gentiles, we were never under the law. Mm -hmm. There was no nation except Israel that was under the law. So that, first of all, we have to understand that law never applied to us. Mm -hmm. We come in under a whole different ballgame. So what Paul taught was faith apart from works. And you can read James that said faith without works is dead. But here again, we've got to remember, James was sent to the Jews, and he was in what I call a transitional generation of bringing people out of law into grace. So he kind of nurtured it along and brought them step by step. There are grace teachers today that are what I call bridges that teach a mixed message of law and grace. And I think they're, they're needful mm. because it brings somebody out of that law mindset and begins to nurture them, bring them into a grace message. Paul was Paul was straight grace. You know, yeah. he, he didn't add ice. He didn't add water. He just drank it straight up. So when you say straight grace, um, what does that entail? That straight, pure grace, radical grace, hyper grace, Paul's grace is a grace that is apart from works. You don't merit it. It is 
fully given as a gift without our effort, without our striving, without us earning. Uh, I define it as a divine influence that produces an effortless change mm. as we rest in him. Mm. So the, 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 the work is on his end. He does the heavy lifting, and all we do is rest in him and let him work a work in us, and that is grace. And that's what Jesus uh, merited for us through his work on the cross. Mm-hmm. He brought us into that place where we don't have to earn any more position or relationship. Relationship is, is, is strictly by grace. Mm. So I think the, the issue that people have <clears throat> with radical grace, um, everything I've heard that comes against it, always has to do with the idea of sin. Right. Since you're saying there's no rules to follow, essentially. Right. Essentially, yes. So what do you do with sin? Like, what, how do you address it? Well, grace, grace exposes what's in our heart. Mm. When you, the strength of sin is the law. Mm. So when you set up a law, you automatically set up a strengthening of sin. It's, it's, it's like if you ever go on a fast. You say, I'm going to fast for three days, and you know I'm not going to eat any food. I'm, not going to, I'm just going to drink water. We go on that three-day fast, and you say, I'm not going to eat food. Every billboard you go past has a Big Mac or a pizza on it, and all of a sudden you find yourself being drawn more to food than you ever were. Yeah. And you break that fast, and you feel guilty, feel condemned, which is what the law does. As soon as you break the law, you feel guilty and, and condemned. Grace exposes what's in our heart. Mm-hmm. So much of the time, what we have in religious circles is a suppression or a pushdown of what's in our heart, and we try to, to, to say it's not so, or we say, that's not, we're not going to do this, right. and we fight it and resist it. And the more that you fight it and resist it, the stronger the urge becomes. Mm. So when you're, when you're free from sin, let me put it this way, when you are free to sin, mm. it loses its strength and power. And that's, and that's what grace does. You find all of a sudden... It's not that you can't, it's that you don't desire to. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole purpose of grace. It says in Titus chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, that grace actually teaches us how to live righteously and soberly in this generation. The only power there is to overcome sin, I believe, is grace. Mm. If, law, if law could overcome sin, we would see a lot of sinless people because most Christians try to follow a legalistic pattern of behavior, they try to they they have set up rules to live by, and they can't keep them, which produces, as I said, guilt and condemnation. And then you finally come to a point in your life, you say, "Forget it, I can't do it," mm, and right. you totally walk walk away and give up. Yeah, but but grace will strengthen you if you learn how to to let Him uh, uh, strengthen you through grace, and, and you come to a place where you say, "Look, I admit I can't do it. Yeah, I admit I I'm not able. I don't have the power, the strength." Then all of a sudden now you're you're throwing yourself on his his mm. grace his abilities, and as you rest in that you find change goes on in your life that is effortless. You, you look in the mirror one day and you see change and you go, "Gosh, I didn't even realize I was changing that way." Mm. And it's because he's done the he's the one that's done the changing. So it's the difference between your own efforts to keep what we call a law, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you know written in scripture. No. I mean, you could have a mindset to make up your own rules of things that... Most of us do. Right. Like, are, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Yep. I'm going to give... I'm going to tithe. I'm going to... You know, you mm-hmm. say... You set the laws up. That The really tough laws to break are the ones you develop in your own head. Mm. 
They, yeah. You know, I, most of us don't have a problem with the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to steal or, right. you know. I'm right. Not, but the, the laws that are tough are the ones that come through legalistic churches, legalism, and the ones that you feel you have to do in order to make God happy with you. Those mm. are the tough laws. And those are the laws we break, and those are the laws that produce the, the condemnation and the feeling of being separate from God. Right. The feeling of that, not yes. the reality No, it's of not that. the reality. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we come to God, usually in our Christian tradition, typically we understand that it's by grace. Because right. we, if we've never heard the message, we've yeah. lived however, and we come to God and we say, here I yeah. am, yeah. a worthless sinner, have mercy on me. Yeah. That's the perception that we have. We understand we didn't do anything to earn that. Right. But um, how but, do we get away from that? Well, you know, Paul addressed that, the the, the prototype of what you're talking about was the, was the Galatian church. Right. And in that third chapter of Galatians, he says, you crazy Galatians. He said, who's put a hex on you? He said, I have a question. Did you come to Christ through faith or through your works? And he said, now having been come through through faith by grace by faith, he said, now are you going to try to perfect yourself by works? That's what happens. We come into the church and the church says, come just as you are. I mean, we sing that song, just as I am without right. one plea. Yep. So, that we, so we respond to that. We come forward just as we are. And as soon as we sign on the dotted line, which is the sinner's prayer, then you all of a sudden read the fine print. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what you need to do. You, you need to be here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You need to join a Bible study. You need to get in a men's fellowship group. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray. All of a sudden, we got this whole mountain of expectations mm -hmm. that we didn't sign up for. We came just as we were. There is no possible way I can keep this this load over here yep. and try to mind it when I just came, when I was jacked up in a mess when I came to begin with. Right. Now you've put all this on me. Yep. We set people up for failure. Yeah. We set people up for failure. And then the feeling like you're missing the mark. Yes. Like you're not living up to your potential. Yes. So instead of focusing on behavior, yeah. what does God want us to focus on? I think we we focus on love. We focus on His mercy that endures forever. You focus on relationship. Mm. When you when you learn to walk in relationship, the, the the tighter you get in your relationship with Him, He's always close. He's always nearby. It's a matter of eliminating in our head things that have separated us. But instead of focusing on what we are to do, we need to focus on what he has done. Hmm. That's the difference between grace and religion. Religion always comes with what you must do. The message of grace focuses totally on what he has done. When Jesus said it's finished, I have to assume it's finished. Yeah. There's there's nothing I can add to finished. Hmm. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of when I was um I was in Bible school and I got into a mode of, you know, as soon as I didn't have some peace or something, I'd go read scripture or I'd pray in the spirit or fast, do whatever I could do to move myself into the place where I would feel that peace again. And it turned into this cycle in my life where for a good part of a year, I didn't have wow. peace. Right. And I was trying, <clears throat> trying, trying, trying until one day... I was in my office, and I was standing up. I know exactly where I was standing, and God spoke to me so loud on the inside, and he said, why don't you stop focusing on the problem yes. and start focusing on the solution? Yeah. And it shook me, and 
I knew that he meant look at Jesus. That's sort of, I knew that's what he meant. Um, and so I, I began to shift my mindset from focusing on what I needed to do to be spiritual, be in the spirit, be anointed, whatever we want to call it, and started to shift to looking to him. And gradually, unfortunately, I didn't have teaching like what you teach around where I was. Right. But, and I think that would have sped me up quite a bit. Isn't it interesting that the, when you lack peace, now what you did was you tried to do something in right. your own strength to alleviate that. Yes. Now, what did, what did Paul say? Paul said that he would keep us in perfect peace yep. if we kept our mind fixed on him. Yes. Didn't say if you go pray more or go read your Bible more mm. or go to church more or give more. None, none of those efforts that we plug in there to try to bridge that gap to where we feel that peace. He just said, why don't you just shut it down and spend some time with me? That's really what he's saying. Yeah. Just just acknowledge who I am, acknowledge our relationship, how much I love you, how much I care for you. Mm. I'm not here to concentrate on your faults or your shortcomings. I'm just here to let you know that you're my beloved son and I'm well pleased in you. Mm. And that brings you back to that peace a whole lot quicker than efforts. Mm. Because no matter whatever effort you strive to get peace, it's kind of like taking a narcotic. If you if you pray twenty minutes and you feel peace, the next time it's going to take thirty minutes. Yeah. Then it's going right. to take an hour. And then you have to add some Bible study to it, mm-hmm. and pretty soon you're running in total circles because you're trying to merit it on your own. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, when I, I in that time in my life in the Bible school I was at, there was a, a series like a week long series they did on grace. And I remember going through that, and I felt so good at the yes. end of that. It was all about grace. Yeah. And then I was so curious as to why, after that, we went back into other sort of <laughs> teaching, and then I, where'd the peace go? Yeah. And then I'd go back, and it was like a tape series. I'd revisit the grace tapes. Oh, this feels great, but I need this and this and this over here. So I'd get away from grace and get over into, I, I would call it how to be spiritual. Sure. You know? Well, that's what, in grace circles, that's what we call a mixture message. It's where you you have some grace, but you try to balance it with law or Mm. efforts. And that's, to me, that's more dangerous than just a total legalistic message. Mm. Just a total legalistic message, uh, you're going to begin to see the fallacy and you can't keep up with it. But when you take grace and law... Then, then you want the grace part, and then all of a sudden it's woven in there that here's what you do to get the grace. Mm. Here's what you do for God's favor. And uh, it, it produces a believer that is double-minded. He's not yep. sure if, he, if he's a grace person or if I have to do this, and it creates instability in everything that you do. That's what James said, double-mindedness is, 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 a, is a bad, bad way to go, yeah. and it's created by this mixture of law and grace. How did you get to where you are now? Like, what made a shift in you? Was there sort of a moment or a time in your life when you sort of shifted to see it from Grace's perspective? You know, for me, and I think it does for everybody, it comes in layers and levels. Mm. As I said, I came from a legalistic background. So by the time I was an adult and already pastoring, I began to see that a lot of the rules that the church put on me didn't amount to a hill of beans, didn't, didn't mean anything. So then that began over a period of time to increase into other activities to say, I can't merit his favor. I can't earn his favor by my prayer time. I, I was real strong. on. I would spend one hour a day 
for sure in prayer because Jesus said, couldn't you tarry one hour, right? Right, right. So I would, I would make sure that the first thing I did in the morning was get down to the prayer room and spend my hour in prayer. Mm. And then after a time, that became very lifeless. There, mm. there, it, it was became. Then I would feel guilty if I didn't go down there. Mm. So I sit down and I go, you know what? This is the same feeling I had when I was a kid and went to the movies. Mm. The same guilt, same condemnation. Where's that coming from? Yeah. So I began to to move into areas of my 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 whole spiritual life because my life was motivated by ought to rather than want to. Mm. And I felt most everything I was doing is because I ought to. I mean, you ought to give, you ought to pray, you ought to read your Bible, you ought to witness. Mm. And those are just what you want to do. But there was no joy in it. There was no happiness. But the more I began to dismantle all of the have-tos, I found that my want to begin to ignite because now my prayer life even changed. I didn't go to the prayer room anymore for an hour a day. Uh, my prayer life became just a running conversation. Mm. I talked to him all day long. He talked to me. And it was much more like a friend. Mm. And through that, I think it helped me to move out of that little bit of law and a little bit of grace. And during that time, I picked up Joseph Prince's book, Destined to Rain, came out. Mm-hmm. And I picked up that book, and it, it, it resonated with me, what he was saying. And it led me into a, a deeper grace walk. And then I moved on to some other teachers. And each one of them just kept taking me another layer down, and I kept ridding myself of myself promotion and and the the need that I had to validate myself spiritually by what I did. Mm. And I began to rely more on what he's done. Mm. And that is so freeing. When you finally when you finally there is a line you cross. Mm. When I began to teach this, I would take one step forward and uh, I'd get a lot of resistance from people like, you know, are you saying we can do anything we want or you know all the normal questions and I mm. I go I'm a, there must must be something wrong with me, and I take two steps back. Oh wow! And then I would, you know, kind of fall back into my old patterns, and then I'd go, "Man, this is, I know this is right, but there comes a day that you go, okay, I'm out of the closet on this. This is who yeah. I am, and you know it's right, and so you go full bore ahead for it, and you let the mm. ships fall where they may. Mm. So there was a defining moment. I couldn't put a date on it, yep. but I know there were there was a time that I just went, okay, I'm I'm free of this stuff. And I want other people to be free free from it too, which amazingly, not everybody does want to be free. Really? I think a lot of people enjoy enjoy uh, legalism. Mm. I remember when I used to preach hard, you know, preach hard on hell, preach hard on you got to do. Mm-hmm. And someone after church would say, Pastor, that was such a good message. You stepped all over my toes. Mm. You got in my business. That was so good. Yeah. You know, it's like they want to show up every week for a weekly beating of some kind <laughs> <laughs> to, to show up to, you know, to learn what they're not doing to feel bad about. Oh, man. And I, I've come to the conclusion that some people, I don't know if they find their security in that, but Mm. There's there's a quirk there that is perverse to me now, but I I actually believe some religious people don't want they don't they're not looking to get out. Yeah, they, they feel good in what they're in. Well, if you can keep what you've set up, then it there is a feeling of um, strength in it. I experienced that because when I first heard the message of tithing. Um, that if you don't tithe, you're cursed. If you right. tithe, you're blessed. Right. I'm like, that's it. I'm in. You Talk know, about it's, a law. I couldn't exactly. I couldn't even pay my electric oh, bill gosh. some weeks. Uh, you know, young married guy. <laughs> yeah, we could barely put food on the table, yeah. but I never missed a tithe. I didn't miss one. And especially I, when you got the pastor telling you this is what you need to do. Oh, even yeah. if you can't pay your bills, God yep. will bless you if you tithe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And so I really had this feeling of I'm doing it right. And it, there was this, I'd walk around feeling like I'm right with God, and I know I am because I accomplished yes. this. There's a pride that comes in there, there isn't is. it? There's a, there's a self-righteousness that comes in. Yes. I mean, the Pharisees kept the law, but they felt so self-righteous, mm. felt so good. And there was such a them and us mentality. Yes. You know, us, we got it right, them, they got it. They got it wrong. That yeah. tithing is such a big one. It that is, is a that big is one, one of the last laws that I think we bust. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I mean, I tithe too. As a matter of fact, I stepped my tithe from ten to twenty percent. Oh, because I I wanted to be double blessed. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and I remember remember a time God said, "Do you really think I need your money?" <laughs> Do you really yeah. think I do? You think the kingdom functions on what you're giving me every week? Right. And so he said, I'll tell you where to give and how much to give, and I want you to do it because of love and joy. Mm. Always be a joyful giver. So from that point on, I stopped. I didn't tithe anymore. Mm. I just, sometimes I'd give a whole lot more than tithe. Sometimes I wouldn't. It just, I'd say, okay, what, what do you want me to do? I'd give money to the man on the corner. I'd see a, mm. a single mom in the church that needed money or whatever, and I would do that. Mm. And I stopped teaching tithing. Now, mm. when I stopped teaching tithing and hammering around, I have to admit the church church finances plummeted. Mm-hmm. And I learned right then that all tithing did was expose what was in our heart, right. that we weren't doing it because we wanted to mm. or because we really loved God and we're trying to support the king. We did it because we were afraid we'd be cursed with a curse yep. and that he wouldn't open the windows of heaven and bless us. So yep. we, we were trying to earn the blessing. Let's be honest. Yes. We tithed to earn the blessing. We, yes. And that's what this whole grace message is about, that you can't do that. That God, no. God's looking to bless you. Because of what he's done through Christ, he's not looking for you to try to earn a blessing. He's looking to bless you because you're already blessed. Mm. The weird thing is, once you get on the other side of it, is is like Paul says, uh, I think in Galatians, when he says, if if you're putting yourself under a curse yes, by trying to are. keep the law. Yeah. So by tithing, you're not actually avoiding a curse. You're actually creating one for yourself right. because you're setting it up, and then if you fail... You in your own mind believe that you're now you didn't make it, so but you're you don't qualify. That and see, you can take the tithing thing into so many areas. For example, there's a scripture that says, "You'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart." Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, how much is your whole heart seeking him? Could you seek him a little bit more? Maybe you're not mm. finding him or sensing right. his presence because you're not seeking him enough. Right. And it's just like the same. It's the same principle of striving to earn favor with God. Yep. And the whole religious system is set up on that. Religion needs two things. It needs paying customers and returning customers. <laughs> and the way we get the paying customers is the tithing and the, the, the gifts above the tithing. And, and by teaching law and teaching people, you got to come back to hear more because next Sunday, I'm going to give you four steps on right. how to be blessed yeah. or three steps on how to get your prayer answered. But it's always something you have got to accomplish something you have to do. Yeah. You very rarely hear a message about what he has done and now you need to do nothing because he's finished it for you. You you hear no message on that. And pastors are afraid to do that because it cuts out the need for a man to tell you what to do. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there's one thing I'd like to touch on before we wrap up and it's the concept of guilt. Ooh. Um does God ever use guilt? As a motivator to Never, do better. Not one time. There's no <laughs> condemnation or guilt to those that are in Christ Jesus. 
let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, because God's mm. never can't be tempted with evil, and he tempts no man. Guilt, mm. guilt is is the religious motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guilt trips, guilt trips. You're not doing enough. You're mm. not committed enough. You're not here enough. Mm. Uh, you're not involved enough. You need to skip your. You, what we had prayer meeting that night, and you went your kids' little league game. That mm. that's wrong. You mm. you you're lacking commitment in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, guilt's the motivator, but it doesn't come from God. You're looking at the wrong source. You know, there's a scripture that we used to read a certain way, and it says, um, you know, there's no condemnation for them that are in the Spirit, right? basically. <clears throat> and we used to say, oh, yeah, if you're in the Spirit, there's the no Spirit, condemnation. Yeah. But if you're not in the Spirit, then there's condemnation. Yeah. And... So now you got to work to get into spirit. <laughs> That's right. That's the problem. <laughs> and let me tell you how to get into spirit. You have to pray more, give more. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. Right. You That's have to, totally it. It's all up to you now to get into the spirit. Yeah. So how do you do it? So what's the right interpretation of that scripture? <laughs> well, to me, there's no condemnation of those. It says actually, there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, the to thing walk you, not according to the flesh, yeah, but, but according, according to the spirit. spirit. Yeah. But the the truth is, I was placed in Christ before the foundation of the world. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I'm a son of God. The only thing mm. that I'm led by is the Spirit. Yeah. So here again, it comes down to what are you focusing on? Yeah. Are, are, are you focusing on looking for ways that you're not in the Spirit, or are you focusing on knowing that you are in the Spirit, not based on your abilities right. or you're doing good, but based on His ability to keep you in the Spirit? Yeah. All right? So yeah. He, He's put you in the Spirit. You can't come out of it. That's right. It's, it's a recognizing of what I already possess. See, we strive so hard to get something we already have mm. to become something we already are. Mm. So grace teaches us what we are and what we have. Religion teaches us what we must do to get what we already mm. have yeah. and to become what we already are. So there's that whole thing of striving. You're already in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You have to recognize that he placed you in there. You're crucified with Christ, buried yep. with Christ, resurrected with Christ, ascended with Christ. How much more can you be in Christ? You're never outside of Him. So, right. if you're in Him, you're in the Spirit. It's yeah, it's all based upon what He did and yes, what He accomplished. <clears throat> And, and the so condemnation you, yeah. comes from what you place on yourself, or yeah. walking in the flesh is based on where you're focused and how you see your walk. Which would basically be just denying it's what he did. Yeah. It's yes. not that you don't, you can't be yeah. good enough to be in the spirit. Yes, it's just that you're not recognizing that it's been done for you. Right, and so therefore you're not accepting it. Exactly. Pa- Paul said that we're alienated and enemies in our minds, in our minds. Yeah. because of wicked works. Yeah. So as soon as you do something that you think is not right, you become an enemy. In your mind, you feel alienated. Now you're in the flesh, mm-hmm. right? So you think you're in the flesh. It's a deception. It's an yeah. illusion. It's a lie. So and, what do you do then? You go to the throne of grace, which and and you just turn back and receive grace. You, you wherever wherever sin abounds, grace super exceeds. Yeah. You cannot outsin grace. Yeah, that's <laughs> you cannot outsin grace. Wow, that's a good statement. So yeah. uh, once you once that gets in your head, then sin loses its effectiveness to yeah. control you to, and it controls through the guilt that you just mm. said. It manipulates through guilt and condemnation and mm. fear. Fear that God's going to be angry with me. Fear God's going to punish me. Fear that God's going to put a sickness on me. All that stuff comes out of guilt. Mm. And once once it dawns on you that 
grace super exceeds sin. You can't out you can't out sin grace. Yeah. Then, then you got this safety net that has caught you in life, and you're dependent on Him and not you anymore. That's, yeah. That's what grace tries to do. It tries to get the dependence off of you and onto Him. Yes. And yeah. that's where we vary with the mixed message or your normal evangelical church, because the evangelical church wants to wants to make this all a transaction. Right. You do your part, God will do His part. Right. Well, there's yeah. no part for you to do. Yeah. It's all his part. Yeah. It's all his part. Isn't that what you would call growing in grace, recognizing sure more and sure. more and more sure. that you can't, sure. but thank God there's someone inside you that can? It's a continual awakening. Yeah. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 7 that it would take the ages to come for him to show the, the richness of his goodness and grace in Christ mm. Jesus. So I, I don't think we'll ever hit the bottom of it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm more gracie than I was last year. I'm seeing its strength and power working in people's lives more than I ever did. I see change mm. in my life, not because I'm working at it, but he's mm. changing me. Yeah. He's changing me. He's conforming me to the image of his son. Not because I'm striving to be. I'm just hanging with him, resting with him, and he's yeah. doing the changing. Yeah. It's a, Look, being a Christian should be a joy. It mm. shouldn't be a drudgery. We've turned this thing into such a works drudgery that nobody wants any part of it. Yeah. Right? Our, it hasn't impacted our culture. We've, we've got good news. We yeah. should have good news. Good news is not accept Jesus into your heart or you're going to burn forever. That's yeah. not good news. Yeah. The good news is he's done it all. He's finished the work. Now, can you accept your acceptance? Mm-hmm. That's good news. You know, it's the, the when I look at people that aren't religious, not in uh, religious circles, um, a lot of people just live without guilt. They don't live with they, shame. They do what they want to do. We've learned it. it ab- absolutely. It's learned, learned it. behavior. It's learned behavior. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> And it's never meant to have any place in this relationship. Like None. we're no different than anyone living any way. We just, because of this message, we're basically causing our hearts to awaken to the access of a supernatural life that can flow through us. That's the whole thing. Yeah, right. It's yeah. not about doing right or wrong. <clears throat> it's about access it, and awakening. It is. It, it's it's a totally opening eyes and awakening to truth. You're believing it or not believing it. It doesn't change the truth. Mm-hmm. What we're doing now is an awakening to it, and that that awakening is a continual process. Yeah, it is continual. Yeah. You never, you never. It's how how much you want to open your eyes. I yeah. mean, he's he's continually pouring out revelation. So are are we are we able to receive it, or at some point do we say, I don't know, man, that's that's moving a little bit far for me. <laughs> yeah, which, which you always get stretched. Mm. You always get stretched. We'll talk maybe talk about that sometime about how to really know. If what you're hearing is true or not true, because yeah. there's a lot going on today, a lot of revelation. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next time. All right. All right. This was fun, Don. Hey, yes. if people want to get a hold of you and get a hold of what you're teaching, how can they connect with well, you? Well, Sunday morning, I drop a bomb at 10, 10 a.m. on donkeithley.com. <laughs> every, every Sunday morning, I do a Wednesday night live on my Facebook page. Uh, if they just go to donkeithley, K-E-A-T-H-L-E-Y.com hit my website there's a big arrow just hit the arrow uh, i've got two three hundred teachings on youtube so that's pretty much it we're running on the internet now we're out of the building we're out of the brick and mortar confines mm. and we're going to the world through the internet that's awesome good it was a pleasure hey thanks 